0: Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. It's a joy to be a part of that work, and we thank you. Team Bills thanks you, Central for partnering with us, continuing to partner with us in what we believe is a very important strategic and faithful work. Thank you. We just had Thanksgiving, and you were on my mind and my heart during um, that time when we thought about what we are thankful for, and Team Bills is thankful for Central. Thank you. We have a great text this morning. I hope you brought your Bible or you have it out on your phone. You can scroll to Isaiah chapter two, beginning in verse one. Thank you, Stephen, for reading that. This is what Isaiah saw, the word that Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the latter days more of a literal translation, or in days to come, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. The dwelling of God's house will be lifted high. People will flow to its peak. Justice and the teaching of the Lord will flood the earth The weapons of aggression will be smelted down into implements of flourishing and agriculture. What a vision! That's marvelous. That's magnificent. It's inspiring. If you were to visit the United Nations, the headquarters in New York, you would see this text. Plastered, inscribed on a wall across the street. This text on a huge mural from Isaiah. And then on that property, on the United Nations property, if you were to walk to the northwest corner, you would see a large statue of a man with a hammer striking a sword. That was... Uh, made by none other than a Russian architect, a Russian sculptor and given to the United States in uh, the early 50s. This text inspires not just the church, but casts a vision that inspires the world towards justice, uplifting, inspiring, hopeful. But who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? I, staying with my mother-in-law this morning, we got a newspaper on the front page of the newspaper, big headline about youths running out of room, youth incarceration. Hmm. Putting youths, incarcerating youths. Need I remind you this weekend about the gun violence in the U.S.? I mean, I've gotten to where I hold my breath every time I open up my news feed. What what new shooting am I going to read about? And then you've got the world uh, aggression, uh, Russia in Ukraine, and frankly, all over the continent in Africa. (laughs) I read a text like this in Isaiah. Who are we kidding? Seems like this vision is ridiculous. Impossible. Absurd. He, I, I mean, we, we had Thanksgiving. as a, a marvelous time for many, but for a lot of us, it's a time of heartache, of distress, of grief. Uh, This vision, could it really be? And frankly, Isaiah, I think, probably felt the same way if we were judging from where this vision comes. It comes at Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5. But if you read just before this and just after this, things don't sound so merry. I mean, listen to Chapter 1, verse uh, starting at verse uh, 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, if you don't know, calling someone Sodom and Gomorrah isn't a compliment. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says Yahweh. I have more than enough of burnt rams fat of fattened animals I have no pleasure in the blood of your bulls of your goats when you come to meet me when you get together to worship on Sunday it's noise in my ears stop bringing this stuff I can't bear your evil assemblies It's what the Lord called their worship assemblies evil assemblies and then if you just go right after this vision of isaiah this hopeful uplifting vision right after in verse 6 you have abandoned your people the house of jacob they are full of superstitions from the east they practice divination like the philistines clasp hands with pagans their land is full of silver and gold there's no end to their treasures Full of horses, no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So men will be brought low, they will be humbled. Do not forgive them. I mean, that's not inspiring. That's not uplifting. And yet, this text that comes to us from Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5, is right smack dab in the middle of that. And Isaiah sees a Jerusalem, the epicenter of God's kingdom on earth. And we're supposed to believe Isaiah when he says that this will be the classroom of justice and righteousness, that this peak, Will be the summit of disarmament. That this is the people that he talks about the evil assemblies that they're going to bring forth conflict, mediation, and peace. Ridiculous, impossible, absurd. This is the kind of sentiment that maybe you've been thinking. It's the kind of question I often get asked by students in Ghana. And I'll just give you one example, Evans Apatura. Evans was abandoned as a young boy. He was orphaned by his parents basically raised himself and found a friend in a man that was gathering together street children in his village and was trafficked to Nigeria, modern day slave trade, where he served as a houseboy, where he grew up. And through a church there in Nigeria, Evans was able to go on Sundays to a church. People learned about his plight and paid his way back to Ghana, where he continued to face more trouble, more heartache, more pain. And one day, Evans as a young man heard a radio announcement about this College, HCC, and with really no money and no real plan, showed up on our campus and began attending class. And, and I had Evans in my, I get, I get the students in Intro to Old Testament the first semester, and I had him, and he sat there, and he was, he was attentive. He didn't say much but I could tell he was listening. And he listened as I introduced him to the God of the Old Testament. 12 weeks, the God of Israel. And he comes to my office during that semester one day and he sits on my couch and Evan looks me square in the eye and begins telling me his story and my mouth just kind of drops. And Evan says... I have a hard time believing what you are saying because of all the pain and suffering and misery that I know I have faced in my life and I know is around me. Ridiculous, impossible, absurd. Does Evans speak for you? Is that a sentiment that you've had? Questions that the host of humanity must have if they listen to Isaiah this morning, that the darkness is overcoming, the despair is overwhelming, tragedies of life overpowering. This talk of hope, this talk of transformation, a sermon about longing is magnificently crazy. They are words as thin as the sappy Christmas sentiments that are printed on the cards that we get. (sighs) But what if? What if? I didn't grow up celebrating Advent, and I bet a number of you didn't grow up celebrating Advent. It's something that those other people did. You know, we 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 were the true church. Those other lesser Christians did Advent. I have since matured out of that. And particularly as someone who's interested in the Old Testament, if we listen to the witness of God in the Old Testament, you know, Israel had a lot to say about the sacredness of marking time. And Advent does that for us. The Christian calendar does that for us. But I had assumed that Advent, those that were celebrating Advent, were basically trying to pace the frenzy of the Christmas season with a weekly check in that said, okay, this is, what is really about. We need to remember those that we need. More reminders to counter the materialism and the commercialization and the consumerism that submerges this season. Absolutely. But Advent is much more than that. Advent isn't even primarily about Christmas. Rather, it celebrates the Lord's coming especially his second coming. It's expecting, longing for the coming of the Lord in light first coming in view of what will be. It's learning to live in between the first and the second coming. And as such, Advent doesn't back down from the suffering, the pain, the hopelessness, the darkness caused by sin. But Advent, it says, hang on, wait. It longs and listens to the prophets that see the coming day of redemption. Advent says, though the day may be dark, and it may be dark for you. The night is nearly gone. The day is almost here. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Advent is Isaiah looking around Jerusalem and seeing nothing but in justice, pain, suffering, and judgment. When the enemies of peace, justice, and love wreak havoc outside and inside, and Isaiah sees through that darkness and hopelessness and says, in the latter days, in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord will be the highest Mountain nations will stream to it. God's teaching will guide it. Violence and its armory will be obsolete. Ridiculous? Sure sounds like it. Impossible? If we look around, yep. Absurd? Advent is absurd. unless there is a vision so powerful, so overwhelming, so beautiful that beckons hope, inspires confidence, and lifts our eyes above human history and says, there is a promise generated by God himself. He is coming. Impossible? Yes, for humans, all things are impossible, but not for this God. Ridiculous? Only if you have eyes that focus below, but not when you have a heart set on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Absurd? Even though we live in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Advent is to lean into that dawning, that hopeful promise that the king is coming. And then, listen, and then to prepare in a way that makes space for the coming, conquering love of God. Evans leaned into that hope. Returning in level 200, Evans was coming to Bible studies that we were holding in our home. And he gave himself to Christ in baptism. Ridiculous, impossible, absurd. Evans leaned into it. Evans responded to Isaiah's invitation, Come, let us walk in the light of God. And let me tell you, Evans' choice was so absurd to those that he knew back home. Shortly after his baptism, his sister-in-law died mysteriously, and his family members blamed Evans for the choice that he made in baptism for her death. They said, the gods, the gods are having their reckoning, and it's because of you. But Evans moved towards God, one step at a time. And he continues to. He walks in the light with seemingly so many circumstances against him. Evans walks in the Lord, preparing in a way that makes space for that coming, conquering Lord of God. And this past August, Evans, through his own initiative, brought together four other students at HCC and, and made the 10-hour trip back to his village. He planned and recruited and brought clothing back to his home village, a predominantly traditional Muslim village, and put on a week-long camp for upward of 250 kids. Organized and led an all-day camp for several days that involved teaching, sports, worship, and study, And kids and their parents streamed to it. And God's teaching guided it. And that community basked in the light of the coming King. And it was transformed. The violent ways of the world were transformed for those two weeks into tools of flourishing. See, Evan's He is but one word that God speaks, that past afflictions and present sufferings do not have the final and future word. Ridiculous? Impossible? Absurd? Evans walks in the light of the Lord, leaning into that dawning, hopeful promise of God. The church lives between these two comings. You live between these two comings. His coming in Jesus of Nazareth and his future coming. So Isaiah issues this invitation to you and to me. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The future belongs to the king and to those who step toward that dawn that he brings. How can you take that step this week? How can you take another step toward the light? How can you courageously anticipate the future through repentance, obedience, just behavior toward your neighbor? How can you Prepare in a way that creates space for the coming, conquering love of God. It's Advent time, a time of promise and longing, a time of waiting and watching, preparing, leaning into the coming days. So church, lean in. Lean in by responding to Isaiah's invitation. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And in the eyes of this world, such longing, such leaning might look impossible, ridiculous, absurd. It's not absurd. It's Advent. Amen.